Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. You can follow us online at cometofreedom.com. My dad loves preaching verse by verse studies of the Word of God giving its full counsel. His studies pay particular attention to the practical application, contemporary examples, and incorporates the Word into our daily lives. Enjoy today's sermon from the book of Exodus, and make sure to subscribe right now so you don't miss any future teachings. All right, we've been studying Exodus and 1 Corinthians. Every other Sunday, we go back and forth. Uh, Lord willing, by the time I leave on sabbatical in the middle of April, it'll be the week after Easter, will be the last Sunday that I'm going to preach, and that will be the last chapter of 1 Corinthians. So we're hoping to wrap that up before we go, Um, and then we're going to come back and have a few chapters left in Exodus, but I really enjoy the last part of the book of Exodus, and I didn't want to rush through it, so... We're not going to get there before we leave, Um, but while we're gone, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, you guys will be working through the book of 1 Timothy. Uh, Jonathan Men, who's with Equipping Pastors East Africa, will be here uh, teaching the bulk of that, and a few of the guys in the church are going to do some odd studies throughout that time. Uh, But this morning, we're going to find ourselves in Exodus. We're going to do two chapters. Uh, Last week, we got through 11 verses, and that took a little while. This week, we're going to get through two whole chapters, and it's not going to take as long. So maybe we should pray for help, huh? Let's pray. God, we're thankful for this morning. It is good again to be able to get into your word. We know that it uh, it is powerful. God, you told us that it is alive. It's active. And it can even uh, discern and divide things within us in such a way, Father, that it brings a clarity. And that's our desire this morning as we are looking to you. We know that your word is truth, God, and we know that we can be sanctified by it. So would you please, Heavenly Father, uh, by your grace, just allow us to have understanding. As we're learning your word together here, we also want to know how that plays out in our lives, how we can rightly apply that and what you would be asking of us uh, in light of what you've declared. So please, Heavenly Father, uh, just do what only you can do today. I know these guys don't really want to hear from some guy named Landon. Lord, we all want to hear from you, from our King, Jesus. And it's in your awesome name we pray. Amen. So the Bible exhorts us to grieve with those who grieve. Okay, do you guys know anybody who's grieving? We get to grieve with them, we get to pray with them, but I also love the promises that we find in the scriptures. And do you guys know that the promises of God, all of them, are yes and amen in Christ? We can embrace God's promises, and he promises to be near the brokenhearted. Maybe you are here this morning and you are brokenhearted, okay? And he also promised that he will save uh, those who are crushed in spirit. And we all go through different seasons. But those are one of those promises that we can cling to and say, yes, Lord. You've promised to be near those who are going through such. And when we have someone we love or we know, maybe it's not us that are going through it who are grieving. But as we grieve with those who grieve, you know the best thing we can do for those people is point them to Jesus Because, hey, your heavenly father, there's a a God in heaven who loves you. 
and you can seek him. He wants you to come to him. There's this beautiful invitation, and I think that's the best thing we can do with those that we are with who are grieving. Keep pointing them to Jesus. Be praying for them because he's the answer, guys. And I know when we see loved ones going through it, don't we want to step in and just fix all the problems? But I don't know about you guys. There are some pains and hurts and stuff that is so hard. We can't be a functional savior. We're never called to be a functional savior. There's only one who can truly save. And when a person is broken in such a way, it is only God who can meet that need and bring healing. So that's why we're on our knees and we are praying for others. And that's why God has called us to be his hands and feet. You guys, you come alongside and you grieve with them and you bring them to me. Okay, and we're going to have a great opportunity as we look at chapter 23 and 24 this morning in Exodus to go to God. There's a call to come up to him, and that's my prayer for us this morning, that each and every one of us would be able to come to the Lord in such a way to really enjoy his presence, to be with him, because there's nothing better, guys. You know, we are called to worship him. Even in the days we don't feel like, you guys ever feel like not worshiping? Okay, you know it's the right thing to do, but there's an emotional disconnect. I don't feel like it today. Okay, there's been many times I've gone to church where I didn't feel like going, but it didn't matter what I felt like because I know my God and I know that he is worthy of my worship despite how I'm feeling, despite how the music might sound in the songs that were chosen. You guys understand that? He is just worthy, and that's why we worship. It's really not about us and what we feel. Anyways, I'm going to way ahead of myself because that's going to be the end of study because that's where we see Moses go up. So these two chapters this morning, we're going to talk about not perverting justice. We're going to talk about celebrating different holy times. We're going to talk about how the children of Israel are going to conquer the promised land. And then we're going to look at how it is supposed to be when we draw near to God. So... The blindfolded lady of justice. How many of you guys are familiar with her? How many of you guys have seen this before? Okay. Um, we're going to start off by looking at justice and the importance of it. And I love lady justice because it really represents an objectivity or impartiality. You see, when you're blind, she's got the blindfold on. You cannot see a person's identity. You don't see their race, their beauty, their wealth, etc., right? And this is how justice is supposed to be. It should be blind. And as we've been studying through Exodus, haven't we seen over and over God's heart for justice? Everyone matters. Justice matters. This is the heart of our God. So he lays out once again for us the importance of not perverting justice. So let's take a look together at the first nine verses of chapter 23 of Exodus. You shall not circulate a false report. Oh, I'm glad I've never done that. Oh, wait, I shared that Facebook post that one time, and that was not true. You guys ever do that? Oh, everybody needs to know this. Share with the world. And then you find out like a few days later, like, oh, that was a lie. <laughs> we got to be careful, guys. Don't share a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. 
Verse 2, you shall not follow a crowd to evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. Verse 4 says, if you meet your enemy's ox and his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. And if you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden, and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. And you shall not pervert the judgment of your poor in his dispute. Keep yourself far from false matter. Do not kill the innocent and the righteous, for I will not justify the wicked, and you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. And you shall not oppress a stranger, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt. So the whole point here, guys, is don't pervert justice. So in the line, uh, in line, guys, with these previous laws, it really prohibits the exploitative behavior of these rules that promote what is honest, what is just, what is fair. In particular, in this situation, it's where no one is tempted to promote self-interest over justice. Okay, that's what God's calling out here. So there's a couple things. Did you catch in verse 1, guys? A ban on separating or spreading rumors. We're not to spread rumors. The second one that we saw in verse 2 is siding with many, taking a poll, standing with the majority, the large group, the herd, the mob mentality that we hear about is often morally wrong everyone's doing it i love how the old king james translates it it tells it to follow a multitude to do evil so there's two reasons it's hard guys catch it first we want to be well liked and we want to be popular right want to please everybody want to be liked by everybody and secondly it takes courage to dissent from the immoral majority you know, we get a lot of flack for that. We know this is just, this is right, this is what God has declared. Well, the world doesn't like those things, guys. You'll be hated. You know, the world is easily offended. The world says, hey, we want to be tolerant. We want to accept all, except you Christians. <laughs> you ever wonder why that is? It's because there is right and wrong. And when we stand with God, I mean, they hated him. They killed him. Jesus said, hey, they hated me. They will hate you also. So James is like, hey, bring it on. <laughs> so uh, verse 3 and verse 6 here, don't be partial, right, to the rich or to the poor. Help the poor for sure, but when it comes to the court of law, don't be partial. Judges are to enforce judgment justice you guys understand that not compassion justice and those are the type of judges that we long for right hey who's going to hold up the law because i know they have their personal thoughts and opinions and feelings but i want a judge who's going to actually do what he's supposed to do or she just do what you're supposed to do verse four and five how to treat one's enemies well according to these two verses guys sometimes you don't like your enemy right Oh, but I'm a super saint. 
I love my enemy, but isn't it still hard? And that's why love is a choice. It's not a feeling. There's times, man, they really did something wrong to me, and it really hurt. I don't like that person. But I love God, and he's told me to love this person, so I'm going to love them. So we see that even come out here in the book of Exodus clearly. And sometimes they hate you, okay? Maybe you're their enemy. Verses 7 and 8, corrupt judges destroy societies, guys. And that happens all over the world. You know that? There is so much corruption going on everywhere. You know, we say, well, look what we, you know, going on right here in our own backyard in America. Things are falling apart. Guys, we got a pretty good to most of the world. Do you guys understand that? There is crazy corruption, not just here, everywhere. And then in verse 9, it says uh, of this section, it's to remind us as believers that we also need to reflect that mercy and also reflect the justice of God in this broken world. How do you do that, Pastor? Glad you asked. Did you catch what he said? Take care of the poor. That's one way to do it. The defenseless and the oppressed. That's what you do. That's what we do, guys. Now he moves on to talk about the celebration of Sabbaths and festivals. Take a look at verse 10 with me. He says, six years you shall sow your land and you shall gather its produce. But in the seventh year you shall let it rest in life. The poor and your people may eat. And what they leave the beasts of the field may eat. And in like manner, you shall do with your vineyard and your olive grove. Six days you shall work, and on the seventh day you shall rest. And your ox and your donkey may rest, and the son of your female servant and the stranger may be refreshed. And verse 13 says, And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect. And make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Three times you shall keep the feast to me in a year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I command you at the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field, in the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field, three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. And verse 18 tells us, you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. Nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. So we have the Sabbaths and the festivals laid out here. Now in verses 10 to 13, specifically addressing those Sabbaths, okay? A Sabbath is not just weekly, but did you guys catch it's a yearly thing also? Okay, so here he lays out that and why. Okay, the Sabbath again is for what? Refreshment. Okay, we looked at that as we went through the Big Ten. And we know the Big Ten are for all people everywhere. God has created us to have 
that rhythm. And it is right for us to have that day. Again, the Sabbath is for man, for us to be refreshed. We need to get in that rhythm. So the laws here are sacred time, whether it's weekly or monthly or yearly. It's to bring these religious rhythms or these rhythms that are needed to our lives. So the sabbatical years show God's concern for the land and the poor, right? So it's unfortunate that people today have forgotten his lessons and are destroying creation by the exploitation of these resources. Do you guys know how good it is when this is practiced, when the land is given rest? It actually yields more. Go figure, okay? God has this in place for a reason. And then we see the festivals. We looked at verse 14 and on there. We read of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is a celebration of Israel's liberation. They were to remember that. And you guys know that a God is the one. He came for freedom's sake. That's what Jesus say, said. I came for freedom's sake. That's why I came. He's about freedom. So we see here the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It starts with Passover. Okay, This is when God did a great work there in Egypt in setting his people free. And then verse 16 is the Feast of Harvest, okay, Shavat, or weeks, okay, the Feast of Weeks. Uh, the Greek term Pentecost, Penta 50, or the 50th day after Passover, okay, that's when they celebrate the first fruits of your labor, kind of like a Labor Day, right? Hey, enjoy the fruits of your labor, okay, God's, you were really celebrating God's uh, provision. That's what this is about in remembering. And then there's the Feast of Ingatherings, okay? Sukkot or booths, okay? The Feast of Booths. Um, they would actually go sleep outdoor. They would put up tents and go camping uh, for the night there. It was reminding them of their humble beginnings when they were living in those shelters and those tents when God had set them free uh, from Egypt there. So it's the final harvest of the crops in autumn. So we read in verse 17, only males, like what's up with that? Um, Not really sure. I know in ancient time there in the east, to make a travel was a dangerous thing. Maybe he didn't want women and children making that (laughs) for their protection. I don't know for sure. Um, But they were told just for the men to go, in verse 19, not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. How many of you guys have heard that before? Right? We want to be kosher. <laughs> There's two other times in Scripture. This is specifically mentioned in the Torah, Exodus 34, 26, and Deuteronomy 14, 21. In Canaanite texts, this was fascinating, cooking a goat or a kid in its mother's milk, it was actually a mid- like a magical ritual that they prad- or practiced. It seemed to relate to those pagan practices that they had and were taught this is what you are to do. But it also continues to serve as a basis to the Jewish kosher laws that they had developed in later times, um, in particular the separation of meat and dairy. Um, and if you're in Israel, it's hard to get some cream in your coffee with a meal, <laughs> okay? Because, again, you can't have your meat with you know, the milk, because it might be the mom's milk, and that's just not right. So uh, it could simply mean here uh, it it is wrong to boil an animal in a substance in which the mother gave life. 
So <laughs> these are some more laws. Um, and okay, we finished the laws here this morning laid out before us in Exodus. But the reality is we cannot keep all these laws, can we? Yeah, I'm reading through these. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm glad I'm saved by the grace of God because <laughs> I've broken a lot of these. You know, I like cheese on my hamburger, <laughs> you know. Anyways, <laughs> but we know the one who did keep all the law perfectly, right? It is our Savior, Jesus. He fulfilled the law. He kept all the law. You know, he was the one who lived that perfect life and did what we couldn't do. And he died the death that we should have died. Okay, if you guys don't understand that, the reality of the gospel, there's an awesome sermon online that's just over an hour long. You can check it out from last week from right here. Um, I hope you guys share that with people. People need to hear the gospel and they need to get it right. We need to understand Jesus did it all. I had a brother yesterday who was messaging me uh, some texts and stuff. And it's one of those things, people that come out of certain backgrounds, they may even believe in Jesus, but they still feel like they have to do a part. There's still a work, something that they have to do to make the sacrifice complete. No, Jesus did it all. He was the complete package. He was the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Not just 90% of it. <laughs> All the sins, as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's removed our transgressions from us. And when he hung on the cross, guys, he said it's finished. It is paid in full. That is it. Don't you guys love the gospel? Oh, do you guys preach the gospel to yourself? I hope so. It's almost daily for me. It's just like, you know what, buddy? <laughs> Jesus loves you. <laughs> he died for you. Yeah, you're going to keep falling. You're going to keep coming short. And you guys understand that? None of us have arrived. But we've been touched by God. He has changed us. And we get to love and serve others that God wants to touch and change also. Um, and we keep looking to him. Amen? All right, now let's get into uh, entering of the promised land. And I want you guys to catch as we read verses 20 through 33 here. It's little by little. And don't we have the tendency, we just want it all done. <laughs> I just want to get it done, okay? Today, let's get it done. Well, what does it tell us here in verse 20? Behold, I am sending an angel before you. Okay, to keep you in the way and to bring you into the place in which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Do not provoke him and he will not pardon your transgressions. For he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then... I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the Amorites and to the Hittites and the Parasites, uh, sorry, Parasites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Flashlights. And I will cut them off. And you, you guys catch that? I can't help myself. Like every time I read through the list, it always says flashlights. Anyways, verse 24. You shall bow down to their gods, nor serve them, or shall not, okay? Nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow and completely break down their sacred pillars. 
so you shall serve the Lord your God. And he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in the land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all the people to whom you come and will make all your enemies turn their backs to you and I will send hornets before you and they shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before you and I will not drive them out from before you in one year lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherited the land. And I will set your bounds from the Red Sea to the sea, Philistine, and from the desert to the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them, nor with their gods, and they shall not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, I will surely be a snare to you. Wow. And wow, what wisdom God has for his people. Just think if we got what we wanted immediately. I have children. There's things I want to give to them, but they're not ready for those things. It's not time yet but they need to learn some responsibility concerning those things. Little by little. My son is about to turn 15, and you can now get your temps license when you are 15. You don't have to wait till you're 15 and a half. Okay? So next week when he turns 15, if I just throw him the keys and say, hey, buddy, have fun. Do you think that's a smart thing to do? No. If you think it's okay, you need to meet my son. There's a little smile. I love you, buddy. No, I think you would do pretty okay. But I would be praying a lot. All right, verse 20. Did you guys catch that God's the hero of this story? Eleven times, I will. And once, he will. And then in verse 30, that little by little, the Israelites will gain the promised land through a long, progressive series of you know, campaigns and displacements. And we're going to get there when we get to Joshua, the first 13 chapters, we get to learn how that all looked and played out. However, many local non-Israelite communities will remain in the land through the period of judges and their monarchy and even after exile. And often it's the same for us, guys. The victory does not come all at once, but little by little. Although eventually it will be total, right now the victory is gradual. Okay, how many of you guys feel like, why haven't I figured that out yet? Why do I keep stumbling that way? God, you spoke that. Why hasn't it happened yet? There's no doubt that Israelites wanted the victory to come right away. Isn't that what they were looking for in their Messiah? He's going to deliver us, He's going to rule. Jesus obviously couldn't have been the Messiah because he was killed. 
He never picked up a sword. We want victory now. Victory is coming, guys. Victory has been won. We get to fight out of that. But God knows what he's doing here, little by little. They wanted to march in one day, watch their enemies march out the next, <laughs> and then take over the promised land. And note, God had a good reason for this, guys. They weren't ready, and just maybe you're not ready. Maybe there's some wild beasts that you don't know about. God's the only one who knows the future. Don't you love it? Does that preach? Are you guys getting that? I mean, I can unpack that a little more. I'm praying the Holy Spirit just settles your hearts in that. Because there's a lot of times we're tripping because we want it to happen. We want it now. We want it for them too. And why aren't they growing? Why aren't they stepping in and entering in? Maybe it's not time yet. God knows. So now chapter 24. Drawing near to God. We're going to look at the first 18 verses here really are cool because it come, you know, the, the Lord is saying come closer. This chapter really is about a worship service. And I hope you guys see that as we go through here. And it's the first of its kind. <laughs> this is what God lays out. This is what God does. So in this chapter, we have this call to worship. We have the reading of God's word. We have a confession of faith. And we have a commitment to obedience and a sharing of a sacramental meal. I think that's pretty cool. So if you break this chapter in half, the first 11 verses and then 12 to 18, I want you guys to note they begin and end exactly the same way. It's pretty cool. They both begin with come up, okay, verse 1 and 12. Okay, and then they both end with this significant meeting with God in verse 11 and 18. Pretty cool. So, um, how many of you guys know where Thousand Islands is? Just down the road. We could walk there in just a few minutes, okay? Uh, beautiful along the river. They got boardwalks there. Uh, me and my family have been there probably hundreds of times already. Um, and you guys know if you drive down just a little farther, they had built this brand new nice pier that overlooks the river. And you can see the huge mill with the smoke too. <laughs> it's a beautiful overlook there. And you guys know right across the street from there, there's an old Girl Scout camp. Or actually, I think they probably still use it. But you can actually walk up across the street. And they got this staircase. And it actually keeps going up past that. Um, and I've recently been spending some time going up there. And you guys have heard me talk before. Like some of my most needed times with the Lord happened during my God walks. There's just times things get a little overwhelming. I have questions. I need to be near the Lord. And I just need to walk with him and talk with him. And I've been so enjoying going up there and just walking around on the trails and just talking with the Lord, meeting with him, having him speak to me. Um, but you got to make that happen. And there's times like I don't have time for that. You just make it happened. You go to the Lord. And I was so blessed last week. The kids' school got canceled. Or actually, they were sick. That's why they were off that day. And they got snow days. A lot of kids the last couple of weeks. Anyways, uh, they were on the upswing. So we went and went for a walk up there. And we kicked up a bunch of deer that were bedded down. It was just so cool. 
got to pray together up there. But I want to encourage you guys as we consider this chapter in seeking the Lord. This is his desire is that we come to him. And that might look different for you than putting on some snow boots and climbing up a, we'll call it a mountain. We don't have mountains in Wisconsin, but it's a big hill, okay? Um, go spend time with the Lord. Uh, that may be in your prayer closet, okay? It doesn't have to be a specific place, but he wants to meet with you. Um, so we're going to consider here as we look at this chapter together, um, the book of the covenant. Okay. Let's look at the first four verses here because it comes in degrees of nearness of God. He says here, now he said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from where? Afar. Oh, but I want to be close. Can we worship closely to the Lord? Absolutely. I love what Jesus said. Hey, come boldly before the throne of grace. We can do that. The veil's been torn, right? We can enter in and we can come boldly whenever we want to. But I told you guys before, we worship him because he is worthy. And there's sometimes maybe emotionally that I'm not in that sweet spot with him and I don't feel like worshiping him but he is worthy of worship even if I'm feeling afar from him you guys know it is still right to worship him and I want to encourage you guys well I don't feel like worshiping today who cares <laughs> you still worship him because he is worthy he is our God he is our creator and we are his creation and this is what we do as his creation so even if you don't feel like it, even if you come to church and we're in worship together and you're looking around, oh, I can tell they're feeling it. Oh, they're entering in. They're worshiping. I feel so far. Guys, it's not about the feeling. You still worship the Lord. So these, hey, even though you don't get to come up with the 70 elders and these few others, okay, you're to worship from afar. And then we're told in verse 2, Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but you shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments, and all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which the Lord has said to you, we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord so the people remained at a distance here because the fear of the Lord, okay? And there is a healthy fear of the Lord. He should be revered rightly. And I do believe when we have a healthy fear of the Lord, we're going to seek him well, okay? It's not, hey, I'm scared, I'm going to run away from God. No, we are going to worship. We are going to seek him. Now, uh, we read of Moses, Joshua, Nadab, Abihu, and Aaron, and the 70 elders, they went up on the mountain here. You guys remember Nadab and Abihu? Okay, we're told they're the two sons of Aaron, who Aaron is the brother of Moses, the high priest. Okay, but we know that his two sons are later killed for offering strange fire to the Lord, unauthorized fire. Then Moses and Joshua, we're told, they went further. And then finally, Moses went into the glory cloud alone. I love what Oswald Sanders wisely commented. He said, 
we are at this moment as close to God as we really choose to be. Doesn't that rattle you a little? I don't feel that close to the Lord right now. That's kind of on you, okay? Everything that separates us from God, him being holy, 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 and us being sinful, 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 okay, that wall of separation, God took that away. And he invites us to come. Seek me with all your heart and you will find me. And how many times do we read of the invitations in the scripture for us to come? Whoever is willing, we can come. Isn't that cool? You may be here this morning and, hey, I'm, I'm new to this Christianity. I'm new to the faith. I got to do some growing before I can get closer to God, come to him in such ways. Nope. You get to just come as you are. Isn't that cool? That's the invitation. We can boldly come to him. We can be as close to him as we want. And I love the promises of God. Okay? God invites us to draw near. I hope you guys all know James 4.8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's how it works. God's not going to come and force himself upon you and just say, hey, <laughs> you have no choice. No, I love you. Come to me. I want to hang out with you. I want to be with you. But we have to draw near to him. And isn't that the cool thing? Draw near to him. I think that's why it's a beautiful thing when we are disciplined and, hey, I'm not going to forsake this assembling together. I'm going to go to church. That is a priority. I'm going to be in fellowship. Opportunities to be at a worship service. Whatever. I'm going to take it. Any chance to draw near to the Lord. Some of you guys have the discipline, hey, that's the first thing I do in the morning. I get up and I'm praying. I'm going to draw near to him first thing. And isn't that cool when we do? Because it kind of sets everything else in order for the day. Our mind is in that sweet spot. Our eyes are on Jesus. You know, and there's so many times I start off a day with busyness. Got to get this done and this and this. And now I have some time with you, Lord. And oh boy, my perspective all morning's been off. I've been caught up in that thinking, in that stuff, and I wish I would have started off where I am right now. So, yeah, it's good to sacrifice a little bit of sleep. It's good to be mindful of him. There's times, guys, I'm up before my alarm, and I don't want to wake up my wife. I'm just laying in bed talking with the Lord, you know, and she's like, all right, I'm just going to chill here for a half hour, just talk with the Lord right here. And that often turns into more time just hanging with them. Anyways, uh, these Israelites here, uh, they had the book. Did you guys catch that? They had the blood, and they even had the promises of God, but they were not in a place. They did not have vision for the glory of the Lord. That is what was missing, and that's what Moses received as he went to the mount. So in drawing near to God, we do not want it to lead us to careless familiarity. People get very comfortable, okay? I'm, I'm good with how things are. I don't want to step in anymore. And God invites us, no, there's more to be had, okay? You guys who press into the Lord, have you learned over time that, hey, there's always more to press into? He is just that big and that cool and that awesome? Yeah, he's the becoming one. All things. Our God is huge, okay? 
keep pressing in. Our God is a consuming fire, we're told, right? Nadab and Abihu would later find out about that in Leviticus 10 if you wanted to check out that story. It's fun. Anyways, Moses alone. God only allows one mediator here. Let's look at the blood of the covenant, the second part of verse 4. It's ratifying of the covenant. Check this out. And he rose early in the morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain, 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel here. Then he sent a young man of the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and he put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and the reading, the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said, we will, be, we will do and we will be obedient And Moses took the blood, he sprinkled it on the people, and he said, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. So they say they would be obedient twice. We will be obedient. Just like with the vertical and horizontal, you know, uh, wedding vows, right? I will, I do, okay? Um, Here the covenant is being signed by both the parties, and it's being signed in what? Blood, okay? The first portion of blood sprinkled on the altar. This represents God signing his portion of this covenant. Pretty cool, right? And then the second, catch it, guys, portion of the blood was sprinkled on who? The people for their forgiveness. Because without the shedding of blood, there is... No remission of sin, right? No forgiveness of sin. So this was the people's signature. May I be like this animal if I do not uphold the end of my agreement. That's what they're saying here. So this is what a bloody altar always signifies. Forgiveness of sins. Atonement has to be made. God has accepted the sacrifice for the payment of sin, and his wrath has been turned aside. Pretty cool, huh? Now, the bread of the covenant, we read in verse 9 here. This is a divine meal. Check it out with me. The Moses, he went up, also Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 of the children of Israel, and they saw that God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, paved work of sapphire stone, and as the like, very hev- or the heavens in its clarity. But on the nobles of the children of Israel, he did not lay his hand. So they saw God, and they ate and they drank. Um, so here, guys, they saw God partially. That is what's just taken place. And they had a meal with him. Talk about a happy meal. Right? Having a meal with God. That's about as good as it gets. I don't know if you guys are looking towards, you know, forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. How many of you guys are looking forward to that? Boom. The Bible doesn't say it, but there is a seven year period of time during the tribulation that the church isn't mentioned. I want to think we're probably having a grand meal with our Lord and Savior up in heaven during that time. We will see, but I know it's going to be good. I will be able to eat gluten again, bring the donuts on. Um, <laughs> but guys, it's isn't this God's ultimate goal? I mean, you think about all that he has done. Uh, 
Matthew chapter 8. You guys remember Jesus in the centurion, in the servant that was sick? Okay. I've yet to come across this kind of faith or simple trust in all of Israel, the very people who are supposed to know all about God and all of his works. This man is a a vanguard of many outsiders who will be coming from all directions, from the east and pouring in from the west and sitting down at God's kingdom banquet alongside Abraham and Isaac in Jacob, and then those who grew up in the faith but had no faith will find themselves out in the cold, outsiders to grace, in wondering what happened. This is what our God has done, guys. He opened it up. Who will come? Who will come? And then what we see here in verse 12, this is the second ascent of Moses up Mount Sinai. He says in verse 12, Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone in the law and the commandments which I have written that you may teach them. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up the mountain of God, And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and Hur are with you. If any man has difficulty, let him go to them. And Moses, he went up into the mountain in the cloud that covered the mountain. You guys see the mountain here? Do you guys know this is why we put the mountain here? Because we know we'd be going through Exodus, and there's a lot of coming up to the Lord, okay? So, verse 15, they went up. Into the mountain, the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord, it rested on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. And Moses went into the midst of the cloud and he went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. Man, the number 40 appears a lot in the Bible, doesn't it, guys? Right? It rained for 40 days, right? Noah raining. And it also talks like every time you look at 40 days in the scriptures, it is always speaking to some separation for the sake of spiritual purification and growth. That's the thing that is so cool. So we got Noah reigned for 40 days. We have the spies spying out the land for 40 days. Elijah, he ran 40, right? (laughs) Fleeing from Jezebel. We had Jesus. Wasn't he in the wilderness 40 days? Fasting? So there's something about seeking the Lord. And we have Moses. Hey, I got like eight minutes. I'm done, but (laughs) here's an extra nugget for you guys. I read this, and I think of Matthew 17. Do you guys remember Jesus going up the mount where he's transfigured? James, John, Peter are with him, and he is changed. Glory is being shown. It is so cool. 
And the cool thing is, who's up on the mountain with them? Elijah and Moses. They're there talking with God as he's being transfigured. There's something about that. And we're going to read later in Exodus, Moses actually starts glowing. I mean, Jesus in and of himself is God, and the glory is just exuding from him. Moses, he kind of gets like the afterglow effect, hanging with God, and he puts a veil over his face because the glory began to diminish. But then he went back in to the meeting place of the Lord, and there he got recharged. And you guys know that there is always that opportunity for us to be recharged, to come to the Lord, to be with him, to see his glory. We have that privilege, but it's on us. Are we going to take that? Are we going to do that? And I hope you guys do. I hope we stir each other up to do that. As your pastor and your brother, that's been my prayer this week in preparation for these chapters, that you guys would say, yeah, I want to partake. I want to see the glory of the Lord. This is the one thing in my heart. It is the thing it desires more than anything else is to be with him. And we're going to conclude our time by coming to the Lord's table together. And I think in coming to his table, it is one of those sweet spots where we get to really look to him, remembering what he did, the life he lived, the death he died. And you guys know that he's not just dead, he rose again, and he is ascended into heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. He is in glory, guys. And he's going to return in his glory one day. And we look forward to that. But we partake of communion until he returns. I think that's cool. And also, until he returns, we get to seek him. We get to draw near to him as much as we want. And I want to encourage you guys to do that. So let's partake together of the bread in the cup remembering what he has done. And I'm just going to take a minute or two and just let you guys have some quiet time with the Lord. Then I will pray, and then I will conclude with a couple thoughts. Father, we're always grateful that we can come to you at any time, remembering all that you've done, knowing who you are. We thank you that you've given us bread to eat, a bread that satisfies. Jesus, we know that you are the bread of life. Thank you. So I know this morning there's a handful of you um, that I've done some God walks with. There's a few of you who asked for some counseling and we went for a God walk. And I've encouraged, and you guys who've needed any pastoral counseling, I need some Bible truth. I always try to encourage you to seek the Lord. But I can't make you guys do that. I can encourage you, 
can share scriptures with you that speak to that. And we have stuff, and if I can help with practical stuff, I want to help. I love you, I want to serve you in that way. But the one thing that is needed, guys, the one thing that is needed is going to the feet of Jesus, spending time with him in that way. I want to encourage you guys to do that. Make that happen. Make that happen. I want to share with you guys, I told you before I was going to talk about tent makers a little more. I have the privilege to be able to do a 40-day. And I want to thank you guys because part of this is you guys letting me and my family have sabbatical time. And part of that sabbatical time, I really want to be pers- you know, purposeful in some further education. But I'm going to have the opportunity to do 40 days, you know, to really seek the Lord. And I want to encourage you guys maybe to do the same, you know, carve it out. Maybe you can't do a 40-day thing. You guys ever just take a day? There's been a handful of times where I've just jumped in my car and I just started driving. I didn't even know where I was going. But I found some cool trails, some woods, and I just spent the day with Jesus, listening to worship music as I drove 200 miles that day or whatever, just enjoying time with the Father, talking with him. Make those things happen, okay? Um, There's still opportunity if anybody else wants to partner with me. I'm about halfway of what I need to be able to go on that. Uh, But I want to thank you guys. You've been very generous in making that happen. But I do want to encourage you guys, maybe you can make the 40-day happen or something like that. You know, well, that's a big commitment. That's a chunk of time. I don't know. I know through my life personally, (laughs) making those sacrifices over the years and just making things happen. Because there's always other things that should be being done. I've never regretted taking time just to go. I don't have time for that. How is everything going to work out? I've never regretted that. There's times where I've gone away for, you know, a four-day prayer summit, even just taking four days. I felt like more happened in four days than I could have done in months of just my own efforts, okay? There's just a sweetness about seeking the Lord. So I want to encourage you guys, seek him, okay? You see, every time we gather together weekly, okay, as we got to just partake of the table together, there is this great God in heaven that, you know, has invited us into this covenant, Okay, and it's not just something that, hey, theologically I get this covenant, I understand the sacrifice, the blood that's shed. No, this is for us to be lived out, to be experienced in real ways, but we also have to make that happen. Again, the promise is if you draw near to me, then I will draw near to you. So he says, hey, I've given you a book, I've made the way by the blood, and I give you the bread so you can eat together together that's why jesus did what he did there was a joy set before him he desires none to perish but have everlasting life do you guys know he wants to be with us for all time what a savior guys what a god we have huh so father we ask just for a grace i pray that your spirit has been doing a neat thing this morning in the way of stirring up our hearts to seek you because you are altogether glorious and wonderful beautiful there is none that even come close to you and i pray god that we would be in such a place 
God, that we have truly tasted and seen that you are good and that we desire nothing else more, that we would treasure nothing else even closely as much as just being with you and knowing you to be in your presence. God, so please meet with us, Lord. Help us to keep pressing in. And help us to do that even if we're not feeling it. God, you've promised, Lord, that you would be there. So please, God, help us to look to you, Father, to search for you well. Start our church family up here in such a way, God, that we will keep encouraging each other to do that. Because we know that you're the one. You're the becoming one. You're the one with the answers. You're it, Jesus. So our eyes are on you. So please, God, as we leave this morning from this place, God, would you just be near each and every one of my brothers and sisters here. Keep us in step with your spirit. Keep us in that sweet spot. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening in today to Freedom Fellowship. We hope you were blessed by the teaching of God's word. If so, would you please take a minute, like us, subscribe, and leave a review. This is a free way we can reach others with his word. You can watch video teachings of sermons on our website, cometofreedom.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.